Hey friends, welcome to The Collective Podcast in partnership with Watermark Community Church. I'm your host, Callie Nixon, joined by my beautiful co-host, Chelsea Chafe-Reason, and we are thrilled to welcome you to season four. This season, we're tackling hot topics in our culture, but in a super consumable time span. Perfect for your morning commute, while you fold the laundry, or while squeezing in a workout. We are so glad you're here. Okay, confession. I am terrified of dying, and I struggle to believe heaven is real. Mm. Tell it to him. I said what I said. You said what you said. You said it. Now listen, here's my confession. I cannot wait to go home to glory, y'all. Like, <laughs> like, not saying I want to get hit by a bus on the way home, but like, I can't, I long for heaven weekly. I can't wait. So we find ourselves in a little bit different places, don't we? Yeah, just slightly, just like a little bit. One of the funnier things that Callie's ever said to me, she says, last one to heaven is a rotten egg. And rotten I'm like, that egg. is amazing. A little rotten egg. One of me and one of my dearest friends, we say it all the time. It's like, just get me home, Lord. And I think that's exactly why we're talking about this today is because there's such a diverse perspective on heaven because it's something that is so rarely talked about. It's a key component of our faith, but so often it is just said in a passing sentence at the end of a sermon. And what we want to do today is we want to dive in and we want to poke at both sides of the story and see if we can come to the middle and bring up some really good things for us as a culture that is desperately seeking this sister in Christ, brother in Christ, to feel informed and to feel relieved, whether you fall on Cali's side or my side. Totally. There's there's room to grow. There's room for movement towards righteousness, whether you're on Chelsea Shea's side or you're on my side of belief about heaven. Yeah. And one of the harder things that I think we want to first and foremost um, put out there for you to consider is if the only time you're really considering heaven, not just hearing it in a sentence or saying, I have an eternal soul and I believe in God who's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go there one day, but really dwelling and sitting before God and imagining it and thinking, I'm going there and believing in that, if, if that's only happening at a funeral, then, then you've come to that point a little late. Because that's my story, is that I'm sitting there in the light of extreme loss and pain and suffering. And that's the moment I'm trying to grab onto the hope that God set before me the entire time, but I've spent no time dwelling there, imagining it. Hmm. It has led to me, in my personal story, feeling completely void and scared. And I hope that would not be the case for anybody else. But I think for a lot of people, it probably is. Yeah. And I think we're going to hit on that that this concept of, what we think of heaven and how often we think of heaven really determines our view about death and dying. And not only does it determine our view about death, it's going to have an effect on how we live our life each day. And so we're going to talk about, in order to explore this, we're going to talk about maybe some of the things that come into our viewpoint that are maybe obstacles towards thinking on heaven or believing that heaven is a real place. And then we're going to also talk about how a lot of us don't have a really true view of what heaven is actually going to be like. And I think as we start to explore, man, this is what heaven really looks like, both for a challenge for the believer. And if you're not yet a believer in Christ, then this would be something we just lay before you as an argument for you to consider that you might have an eternal soul and there might be something that happens after this life. 
Absolutely. And one of the more nuts verses that I've stumbled across in this journey of trying to, you know, put myself before God and hopefully have this part of my heart healed is Ecclesiastes 7.2. It says, it's better to go to a house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting. For death is the destiny of every man. The living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter because a sad face is good for the heart. And I'm like, yes, homie said what? (laughs) (laughs) I think that's so healthy. You know, you think about what you've said that it causes you so much fear is actually quite healthy for us to come to grips with the fact that we are finite beings, that these bodies will decay. They will give out. We will die. At some point, there's a really great book written by Milton Vincent called A Gospel Primer for Christians, and it gives you super tangible ways to make the gospel a part of your everyday life. And I've loved it. It's made a huge difference in my life. But what I would love to add on to it would be like making dwelling on heaven a part of our everyday life as well, because I think if you dwell on the reality of heaven, then some of these things we're about to talk about that make it difficult for us are going to kind of slowly start to fade away. They're not going to go completely, but they would fade away. Yeah. And it begs the question, because I, I know if you're listening from the outside, you might go, heaven's not really a hot topic. But if you're in the church, we're going to argue it is because it's one of the key tenets of our faith. And again, it's not being talked about a bunch. And so what we see happening in that is this, this quiet thing that we're letting sit to the side, it actually deeply affects our day-to-day struggles like anxiety and depression. We're going to talk through the fact that I believe, I think Callie would say she believes too, heaven in many ways is one of the more curing thoughts to the depths of that anxiety, Mm -hmm. to the depths of that uh, depression or fear, whatever they may be. And we see that coming out through culture. Because one of the things we were talking about is that this YOLO culture, Mm -hmm. you only live once, it builds this hype. Yeah. That we are on a ticking time bomb. Totally. And if you're afraid of what happens at the end, that doesn't feel freeing. Right. That feels like chains. That feels like weights. That feels like you just put me in a prison. Well, it's like eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow we die. It's reemphasizing this this fallacy that I better get in every single thing that can give me pleasure in life because after that there's nothing. So it puts this really difficult concept on people to make sure that they fill all of their sensory experiences with things that a lot of times the Bible talks about as being pretty meaningless. And so the first one I'd love to hit on is I think we don't want to think about dying because we're afraid. I think ultimately like there's a lot of things that we're fearful of. And I think there's how we die, I think, makes us fearful. Yes. I think aging and the whole concept of aging, maybe living in isolation, losing people we love, makes us fearful. It's a deep root, I think, of a lot of people not wanting to think about dying. And they feel like they're tied. If you think about heaven, you're thinking about dying. If you're thinking about dying, you're thinking about heaven. And one beautiful thing is if you can separate them a little bit and you can see heaven for its glory and all on its own, it does give some freedom to the former thought about dying. But you're absolutely right because I have found myself sitting in this cyclical thought of, okay, and this is just totally hokey and not, let me clarify, this is not a holy or good thing to do. But I'm just, (laughs) we're being real, right? Sure. So I'll find myself in the middle of the night and I'll be woken up by some terrible dream about, you know, something terrible happening to my kids. And then before I know it, I'm like, I want to go to the feet of Jesus and think about heaven as a cure, but I'm really afraid if I start learning about it and thinking about it and dwelling it, Mm. then Jesus is going to put me to the test and Mm -hmm. suddenly some, I'm going to lose somebody because I'm going to have to use that information I learned. And I start, my view of God starts getting worse. 
worked. And I think that a lot of people that might be the case too, is they're afraid to, to talk and learn about this subject with friends and before God, because they're afraid they'll have to use the information thinking that God's kind of a trickster. Hmm. Let me just, that's me at least, or yeah. some version of that. And that you have to dig into the fear of that and go, man, God, I'm going to put the fear before you and I'm going to learn because like it says, it is better to dwell here than feast. I just can't imagine that. But, I, you know, we have to trust it. Well, you think about the people in your life who've lost dear, dear people to them really early on in yeah. their life. I have a couple of dear friends who lost parents as children and or as college age kids. There's a deep seated settledness in them that um, if they've allowed that fruit to grow in the garden of their suffering, there's there's not quite that fear. There's almost this beautiful kind of aching or longing mm. for heaven in a way because they've tasted the sting of death in ways I think that other people haven't. And so I think our fear can slowly become eradicated by experiencing losing people that we love. And our fear can slowly become eradicated by realizing that the promises of this life offering any kind of true pleasure for our souls, it, it is a lie. You know, it is that what is true is Psalm 16, 11, where it says, you make known to me the path of life in your presence is the fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. So if we really believe that, that's going to change how we look at heaven. Absolutely. And it reminds me of this quote that C.S. Lewis wrote, people are either immortal horrors or everlasting splendors. And we see in scripture that, like you said, we can delight in the beauty of that. And if it doesn't here, and the terror of that, and the terror of that, absolutely. And from that, I think the next thing we see is that for me specifically, but I think for most people, I would say the second thing is this loss of control. Heaven and death, they feel like this overwhelming loss of control because it's so unknown. Mm-hmm. It feels so vague. It feels so completely unknowable. You know, there's things about it we do know, but even those feel very daunting and scary. Well, one of the things I was thinking about with, with control is the concept that we think we have any Mm-hmm. semblance <laughs> of control at all is illogical. It's right. illogical. It's illogical because it's illogical. Um, that I think I can hold my child. So something happened earlier this year when we were in um, a staff prayer meeting and I was worried because there was my babysitter was running late and there was this gap of time where my kids were going to be alone and my babysitter was going to be was going to get there. But one of the things that our pastor told us is, hey, don't take your phone and just be with the Lord. And I was kind of panicking. I was like, wait, if I don't take my phone, how are my kids going to know? And so I just felt for me at that moment, I felt the pulling of the spirit to go leave your phone. I've got your kids. And so I left my phone and I went out. And in that 10 minutes, my babysitter arrived, but one of the biggest branches I've ever seen in my life dropped off a tree in our no. backyard. I mean, it was probably 25 feet long, maybe longer. And just earlier that morning, my son had been out playing in that exact oh my spot goodness. where that tree had fallen. And so, it I mean, I definitely shed a few tears in that moment too. But the reality of me thinking that me having my phone 
was really going to have any yes. semblance of my ability to control the situation. Yeah. I don't have control. And so I think a lot of times, maybe as parents, we think that we can control our kids or as, you know, young single adults, we think that we can control our friendships or any of our other relationships that we have. We think we can control things that are happening in our job. And the reality is we can't. And the sooner that we can learn to let go of that and here's the deal we could spend a whole podcast on letting go of control and how hard that yeah, that is yeah <laughs> but i think when we're talking about heaven the idea that he knows every day that he set out for us on this earth one of our pastors used to say you're immortal until God calls you home. So it was so fun. He would go so brazenly into these really like dangerous situations. Oh yeah. And he would just go, I'm immortal until God calls me home. And so there was something really beautiful about how he thought about the acknowledgement of his lack of control of life. And one thing that's really been helpful for me in my journey would be some of the really wonderful resources that are out there, which is Heaven by Randy Elkhorn and Imagine Heaven by John Burke. Mm -hmm. Those two books, these men have spent so much time researching what we see in Scripture um, to imagine heaven as accurately as possible. And for me, those those um, additional resources, those additional perspectives have bolstered and girded my loins. My yeah. loins are girded, y'all. Oh gosh. Uh, oh, gosh. <laughs> oh, gosh. But they have, they've added color to yeah. what has felt so vague. And the more I can add color to this picture that felt so void, it really draws me deeper into an affection. And hopefully in time, Callie, I would love to just have that delight of last one to heaven is a rotten egg. Hmm. Yeah, but where I see, well, thank you. But I also see where I need to grow in mine is um, as a seven on the Enneagram, we want to escape pain and sad feelings and thoughts. And so I can sometimes look at my longing for heaven as a desire to escape the hardship of life. And so one of the other things that we think can be an obstacle to our fear of dying is that we don't talk about it enough. Yeah. And so for me, when I think about what I struggle with and the things of this earth, the more that I can talk about the reward that is in heaven, this is some of where old black spiritual hymns are the most amazing at this more so than any other genre of music, because there was such a longing for heaven that was introduced in some of those songs that were such a beautiful picture of they talked about heaven. They longed for heaven because of the suffering that was going yeah. on in, in their lives. One of the more impactful quotes from Rainey Alcorn's book in heaven is for the Christian Death is not the end of the adventure, but a doorway from a world where dreams and adventures shrink to a world where dreams and adventures forever expand. What we love about this life are the things that resonate with the life we were made for. The things we love are not merely the best this life has to offer. Hmm. They are previews of the greater life to come. Yeah. I get goosebumps and I'm like, let's stinking go like yeah. when you and that was what we've been talking for 10 minutes and my my heart is so lightened mm -hmm. and my soul is so excited and it's all because we pulled the veil back and we decided to have the conversation and I think that's the biggest point we're trying to make today is dig in and converse own your forever eternal path and create the color through scripture that God has laid out for us so that we can hope with joy and enthusiasm Absolutely. If we talk about it more, it's going to lead us to a clearer picture 
of what it actually is. And it's going to be beautiful. You think about what all happens in Revelation 21. This is where um, it's talking about the new heaven and the new earth. And in verse one, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and earth had passed away. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God as prepared as a bride adorned for husband. So it goes on to talk about God is dwelling with us. We will dwell with him. We'll be his people. He'll be our God. There'll be no more tears. God himself will literally wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more mourning. There will be no more pain. And this is where my heart just longs for the day because I get so tired of the struggles of my own sin. I get tired of the struggles of the suffering that God sees fit to let our family walk through. But at the same time, if I really believe this is true, you you scroll on down to verse 23 and it says, there will be no sun nor moon to shine on the city because God himself will be our light. You spend a few days creating a proper picture of a view of what heaven's really going to be. I guarantee you, you're going to run into the sorrows and sufferings and the trials of each day with a little more gusto than you did had you not spent time. I mean, I just got to tell you, my again, my loins are girded. Oh, my God. I know. I know. That's it. We, we said it. I said what I said. I said, twice. I said what I said. And I said it twice. <laughs> I walk away from today feeling so much relief. Thank you for sharing mm. your just hope for the future. It totally has empowered me. And I, for people who might land where I land, as you you know turn the podcast off and you keep driving or keep folding your clothes yeah. or whatever it is you're doing, I think one verse that we can just claim over ourselves is Mark nine twenty four. When the Father in this scenario cries out, "I do believe, but help me overcome my belief." Yeah, and entering into this conversation has just taken me one step closer by the power of the Holy Spirit towards having a firmer belief. Thank you for sharing that with me. And then I, I pray that for you that there's there's something really beautiful to be gleaned too. Yeah. I mean, I think for me that Philippians 121, to live is Christ, to die is gain. So my hot take on this hot topic is to live as Christ, to die is gain. And where I see myself growing is when I have a picture of heaven, I have more energy to not be afraid of mm. the sorrows that are coming in this life. I, I don't want to escape them. I want to turn into them and I want to fight them. And I want to be considered when I finally do get to those gates of pearl. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant, enter into the joy of your master. And I think someone who made one of the most beautiful pictures of this is C.S. Lewis um, in Chronicles of Narnia. One of the last quotes he says, it says, and as he spoke, he no longer looked to them like a lion, but the things that began to happen after that were so great and beautiful that I cannot write them. And for us, this is the end of all the stories. And we can most truly say that they all lived happily ever after. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All of their life in this world and all of their adventures in Narnia had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, in which every chapter is better than the one before. I mean, that's going to be heaven and that's what's coming for us. And so I'm excited I can't wait for the Lord to come back, but I also can renew my heart and my vigor to fight each day, knowing that it's worth it to do so until he returns. We would be remiss if we didn't end an episode like this saying, 
man, if, if you don't know about heaven and if heaven isn't something that does feel real to you, we would love to introduce you to Jesus. There's a man named Jesus who lived a perfect life you couldn't live. He died a death paying for your sins and he rose again three days later. And all you need to do is to confess with your mouth, he's Lord, believe in your heart, God raised him for the dead and you too can be saved and you can enjoy what this heaven is going to look like for us. One of the most amazing things to reflect on recently I read was I was reading through a little kid's book with my daughter and in the book it used present tense and it said he died and he lives even to this day Hmm. in heaven. And I think that's the hope that we want to impart and share and hopefully empower you to grab for believe in. Thanks for joining us today. As a reminder, this is just the start of the conversation. We hope you keep diving into this topic and all we've discussed. So grab your Bible, grab a friend, and circle back to have whatever conversations, confessions you need to. If you want to learn more about The Collective, you can visit our website, watermark.org slash collective. And follow us on Instagram at watermark underscore collective. Be sure to share this episode with anybody who needs to hear it and give them that same hope that you've experienced. If you have any questions, please email us at collective at watermark.org. We'll see you next time on The Collective Podcast.